Hello and welcome to Grind Forever, the bi-weekly RPG podcast from the lovely, lovely folks at PNB. And joining me today is friend of the show, probably one of the longest friends of the show, uh, by by leaps and bounds, uh, Curtis Stone. Say hi, Curtis. Hi, Curtis. Oh God, I, that's so hacky. Can I, I'm can sorry. Can I hang up? That's, like, yeah, by all means. Oh. Bye, bye, everybody. <laughs> Enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun while it lasted. Oh, it's okay. Nobody likes Kingdom Hearts, which is the game we're talking about today. Uh, another square juggernaut, just like one right after the one right after the other. Um, and I knew. Is it a month of uh, Square Enix? Is that what we're trying to accomplish here? Uh, yeah, just kind of. You know, the well's already kind of running dry. You know, because uh, who, <laughs> who am I going to talk to about Dragon Quest? So. Oh, I've, there's got to be someone. Uh, Hen- I would say maybe Henry Gilbert and maybe like you know. One other guy, the, the the five Dragon Quest fans, but let's not alienate every <laughs> listener so far already out of the gate. We've got Kingdom Hearts, which has been one of the most. Uh, I, it's I hesitate to call it modern Square, but it really because it is you know like fifteen years old at this point, sixteen years old, but yep. it's still kind of emblematic of what Square really was to people in the two thousands and the uh, you know like that that kind of time period. Yeah, yeah, no, it uh, it it's surprisingly, even though it's re- you know relatively young in terms of other Square properties and stuff, uh, you know, it's a teenager now. It's it's only you know it's starting high school. It's a nearly graduating. Getting high getting school. his driver's license. Yeah, it's it's ready to hit the open road and all that. But it's like you look at the series itself. You know, it's fifteen year old, but we're only really getting the you know third game in the entire series as far as the titular game you know you know we've had one and two and threes god knows when it is coming out but and you know they have all the side games and stuff like that but yeah it's it's rare to see a game that's 15 years old that hasn't already hit five games in the series in you know a numerical order versus only hitting three 15 years into it right it's 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 bizarre and two is only like four years after the first game, so we just kind of oh, yeah. we kind of assumed that you know early twenty tens or something we'd have it would be the latest for Kingdom Hearts three and like no it turns out like as we keep waiting a lot of the voice cast is either aging out or dying in the case of Leonard Nimoy <laughs> so it's just like yeah uh, it still wouldn't surprise me if it's his voice because they recorded the dialogue like seven years ago but you never know right well Christopher Lee too he's he's out. exactly he's exactly. passed away too so. And it's 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 always remarkable when I see like a Rockstar or a Square Enix game that hasn't released within four to five years because just in the general climate of the video game industry, taking more than three years is almost suicide in terms of your game selling well unless you are attached to Rockstar or Square it's, Enix. It's and exactly, and and they're just one of the very few rarities that can actually deliver on a ten-year developed game. And, and like, imagine how insane. much money goes into employing people working on a game for ten years. You know, like right. it, you know, those people have to eat and have you know support families yeah. and audiences. And the fact that they're open at all just shows how much money <laughs> they're really putting into that. Yeah. So I'm I'm honestly curious the turnover in one of those offices uh, of a ten year developed game like, like I, there's no way that some yeah like there's no way that someone that started on that game really like all the the entire development team lasted like 
that someone didn't that multiple people didn't leave and multiple people didn't join in the development like that would be remarkable oh, yeah, every single yeah. person that started a game stayed till the very end you know that's not Tetsuya you know that's yeah, exactly that's not one of the the a name figures. brand kind of person mm-hmm. so um which it's i am so lukewarm on kingdom hearts 3 in terms of like i've waited 10 years for this please hurry up but i will be there day one because i'm a schmuck and <laughs> i need more of this nonsensical story which i imagine we will discuss but oh yeah there's uh, there's yeah it's so take, just hurry so up take it, yeah but I so play Toy story. looking forward to that but also taking it back to the first game where yep. all this is kind of introduced um what was your kind of first moments like was Kingdom Hearts a name that you had your eyes on before it came out? Or was it something that, like, oh, kind of like Final Fantasy VII, those, those CG cutscenes look breathtaking, and it's 2001 or 2002, and, it you know, like it just immediately kind of grabs me. And you know the name Square Enix or something, right? Right. So, you know, 2002 is when this is dropping. So if we could sort of condense it to a period of time. So 2002, you know, where I, for me, that's junior year of high school so i'm old and <laughs> as is this game um and i i remember magazines i was a big subscriber to a lot of magazines and this was a game that was featured prominently th- through various magazines i would always read everything i could about it because the idea that square Enix, square enix who's hot off final fantasy 10 and 10 is on its way there's a game that they are creating that is featuring Disney characters. And, you know, this was around the time when licensed properties or, or crossovers were, you know, rather prominent. There was, a, there was a number of games that just didn't work when you combined them with relatively obscure ideas. And, you know, Disney always has its, uh, af- you know, affiliation with Disney. It's a child's product, mm-hmm. even though it's been around for 80 years. Uh, it At that time in... The Disney standard Pixar was still relatively growing, and and so when I when I would read these articles, I was like, oh my god, this sounds like the worst idea. This and you know, Final Fantasy is all Square Enix has, but I'm a sucker for Disney and I'm a sucker for Square Enix, so I will I will give this a shot. And so yeah, I picked it up like practically day one when it launched, and I didn't know what I was in for. Like I <laughs> I didn't know what this game was gonna be. I was just like, okay, I'm gonna beat Mickey Mouse or play with Mickey Mouse or he's somehow involved <laughs> in Donald and Goofy and I was like, what is this game? And then it starts and then there's the incredibly and just incredible, amazing off the wall CG opening that features, you know, Yutaro Hikaru's simple and clean, which is something I'd never heard. And that opened up my door to an entirely different world that I could spend ages talking about right that cg opening was just like it was a perfect primer for what this game was going to offer and it's still it's still honestly breathtaking like i could go watch that cg trailer 15 years removed and just be like wow i how does this exist and how is this making money and why do i want to play this exactly yeah it's insane it it is one of those Uh, things where where especially at that time um you know, having a really good CG trailer, having a good spectacle showcase was really important to selling a game. And, like, Square did it better than everybody. They kind of invented the formula, and they... I Like I said, I alluded to Final Fantasy VII kind of hyping that up with, with the cutscenes back in those days. But with Kingdom Hearts, it really feels like they, they cemented it. Like, it felt like 
you know, with with that with simple and clean, just backing it up, and it really felt some, like something something bigger for games. You know, like it, again, we like to talk about it like it's modern, but you know, this is. 15 years after the NES or something, you know, like games were still kind of get going through some growing pains. And I think a lot of the CG stuff from Kingdom Hearts, uh, like made it appeal to more people, quite frankly. Right. And I mean, the PlayStation 2 was really only a year old because mm-hmm. it's, you know, launched in 2001. So this is a game that is uh, trying to launch on the PS2, which was already really big, and obviously the PS1 was a huge success. So this is a sophomore year of a new console. You got a, a completely brand new, bizarre concept for a new franchise. You gotta hope this works for Square Enix because they were still struggling from uh, Spirits, Within. Spirits Within. That was the reason they are now Square Enix is because they lost so they much money up. they had to combine with their competitor in Japan and. Uh, I, I actually, like, I know this is a silly thing to hold on to, but I remember when I got the Kingdom Hearts copy that I had first, because I bought this game multiple times, but when I bought the Kingdom Hearts copy, mm-hmm. it still had Squaresoft on it. Then that's a label that doesn't exist anymore. And to me, like, I know it doesn't change the value of the actual product, but having Squaresoft versus Square Enix on the game just means a little bit extra for some reason. I don't know why, because it's just like, it's a relic. It, it makes it something uh, you'll I, never see again. I totally get it. It is a relic. Like, it, it was one of the final prints of that company's existence, you know? And, yeah. like, ha- having a Square Soft Kingdom Hearts copy, I'm sure, means a lot to somebody, be- be- especially somebody who knows the history of Square and knows how important that is. Like, that, I, I didn't know that it, that that kind of Square Enix merger was so close to Kingdom Hearts' release date. I thought that it was like, you know, like, oh, you're or two apart. So, but yeah. that they printed boxes with Square and with Square Enix is pretty big. Yeah, like it was, and, and then that's a whole other banana, what's the word I'm looking for? Basket or what? I was going to say know. a new other probably episode of this podcast about the, the, yeah. the Square Enix debacle of the early 2000s. Yeah, which it, the small quick story is in the West, Square Enix or Squaresoft always did really strong. Enix was stronger in Japan, and then Square Enix essentially just got too big and were making a lot of properties that weren't selling as well. And they just had to say, "We need help, please." And Enix was like, "We got you. We got, we got you." This. But, you know, uh, so that, but that's a fun, interesting history to read into. If if you've got time, by all means, go read about that. But anyway, we're talking about Kingdom Hearts. We're talking about so. the immediate aftermath of what it sounds like. And yes, yes, uh, what a way to really swing back from all those missteps. Oh, absolutely. This was, I guess, like you could consider this an immediate hit. Honestly, uh, I I don't have like sales numbers in front of me. I I would imagine they're possible to track down, despite being fifteen years old. But I would imagine like this game. I think sold on the I, st- I think still Square had the the tout to to sell a game and and the idea of you're hinging on a JRPG plus Disney that gets your western audience so it's this bizarre concept that people buy into and are like all right I'll give it a shot and it really paid off and it wasn't just a payoff of like okay I played a bizarre game I played a bizarre game that's good mm-hmm. and it has a lot of effort input like that's the best part is it has a lot of heart I know that's going to be a pun to someone, I'm sure, but <laughs> Kingdom Hearts has a lot of heart into it. It has a lot of terrific production behind it. Uh, the se- the soundtrack alone I could talk about for hours. It's a hell of a soundtrack. It's oh, so Top good. Top to bottom. Um, yeah, it's, it's, there's just 
they really went all in for what Kingdom Hearts produces, and it's created its own legacy as a result. And there's countless games you can now go into and experience what Kingdom Hearts is. Oh, for it's sure, remarkable. for sure. And from from the top, it was a pretty ambitious crossover that people, you know, brands have, have kind of interacted like that before. You saw things like Marvel vs. Capcom in the late 90s um, right. in terms of, like, bigger things. But, I mean... It really didn't get much bigger in video games in the early 2000s, late 90s than Square Enix, and it didn't really get much bigger in the world of like animation than Disney, especially right. in the 2000s. You know, they're 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 still riding high off that uh, like golden age of the 90s. You know, like and yeah. like getting these two uh, sort of ecosystems to interact was it was very novel at the time. And and honestly, my critique with as the series goes on kind of focuses on its own its own bullshit so much it really kind of loses the final fantasy and like the the disney stuff but i mean that's that, that's kind of a separate complaint because now i'm just starting to get into things like dream drop distance which while i had complaints about also i had a hunchback of notre dame uh world so yeah i mean yeah. From, you you take the good with the exactly, bad exactly <laughs> yeah gotta hold it on the chin but i'd say from from get-go Kingdom Hearts had some really, really good worlds uh, that they could uh, explore. And yeah. for those of you who don't know, uh, without de delving into the main Kingdom Hearts story too much, basically you go from world to world, Disney World from to Disney World, um, kind of fixing problems. Sometimes it's like a sequel to the, the movie. Sometimes it's like eh, kind of thrown in the middle of it. You know, because like Clayton's still yeah. around in the Tarzan world. And that's not a thing if you've seen Tarzan. But spoiler alert! Sorry <laughs> for a what twenty year old movie. For, yeah, twenty year old movie. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's almost like um, some of the worlds are like you said, they're either thrown in the midst of the story that we essentially already know. Mm -hmm. Like we know Little Mermaid; she wants to be part of the human world, so you're thrown into that, and you're trying to help her, and uh, which. Uh, that's probably the worst world I think yeah, Kingdom Hearts has. Pretty universally um, despised is both the, yeah. the both the Little Mermaid levels, which is a shame because the you think yeah. that would lend itself to some pretty good stuff. Which I think I think them going that route of uh, sort of uh, retelling or telling stories that we already are familiar with versus using these familiar worlds and trying to do an alternative idea or a completely new story would be more of a turnoff than simply just rediscovering worlds we may have forgotten over the years, right. depending on your age. Or I think they were smart to choose telling the story that way rather than just doing like brand new ideas. Right, just, just new stuff every time. So it, yeah. it, was, it was definitely smarter to lean into some of the existing stuff. And yeah, um, yeah, I remember, I remember Kingdom Hearts was definitely, when I first got my PS2, it was the family DVD player first and foremost, because, you know, it was 2001 <laughs> and it's like, I want to play Jack and Daxter. And, um, <laughs> we're going to watch the matrix again. son. <laughs> you got to freeze the frame here. It's only happening here. Laser discs, boy. Um, uh, but essentially whenever I could, I could try, I try to just kind of take it for my own, like, well, nobody's watching DVDs. They're all busy setting up TiVo for the first time. I assume, um, so now, now I can just take this little machine and have it be mine. And while I did play a lot of Jack and Daxter, uh, Kingdom Hearts was one of the first games I bought, um, with like my own money. I kind of saved up yeah. and it was just around this time I started cutting grass and stuff. So, you know, I could actually get little bits of money here and there. Um, right. and you know, I'd always seen it on TV and I always seen it in a lot of, you know, websites and trailers and stuff. It's like this 
thing that I should really experience. And yeah. I, I did. It was really like very captivating to me as like a, an eight year old, nine year old, you know, like I didn't know too much about the Final Fantasy side. I knew like a little bit um, from osmosis from like my cousin and a couple of my friends. But the the concept of just going into these worlds is very alluring to me at the time. And and like I'd recently played through because they've re-released countless times. Most recently on the PS4 with like the HD 1.57 Pi remixes that they've done. Uh, and uh, I know going back through the first one, they don't really lean too heavily on the Final Fantasy lore so much as they just sort of will reference a character. Cameos. And yeah, you'll either know who this person is or you don't, and that's okay if you don't know who they are because them being there doesn't really have any purpose tying into their own game or their own lore it's really just like hey here's yuffie from final fantasy 7 well i don't know who this is that's Doesn't okay matter. you don't have to she's just there to be a expository device to say hey this is happening in the world go solve it mm -hmm. okay thanks yuffie i'll never I'll see never you again see or... you. <laughs> yeah no. um, so like i think i think them not leaning so hard on the relatively Japanese lore versus the Disney Western lore for this for a Western audience was much better. Oh yeah, because yeah. it's it's more approachable, it's more familiar. So I think they made the right move on that too. I definitely agree. And uh, as as they kind of go through all the different worlds, like you, you see the bit of the original story kind of, that Kingdom Hearts really built. But I mean, I always remember all the Disney stuff the most, like, like interacting with yeah. heroes and villains and like fighting Maleficent like twelve times and. Like, well, not Maleficent, but that was actually... Re that, that whole... The end of the game is the most troubling part for me, just because it's, it was so hard for me as a kid. I could just never... Like, I, I, I had a lot of patience when I was a kid and a lot of time in my hands, but never enough to really get... Like, just get through the whole meat of Kingdom Hearts, so... But, I mean, I always yeah. remember, you know, fighting all the villains and, like, going to these different worlds and going to the Coliseum. Coliseum was really fun. Um... Should we talk about how, like, contemporary it really was to Disney at the time? It was almost exclusively, you know, like, 90s on. You had, like... Well, I mean, you had you had Alice in Wonderland, but that seems like a very yeah. evergreen kind of thing. Um, yeah, like, I mean, they wouldn't do anything, like, too bizarre. Song of the uh, South? Like they would not... Oh, no, I'm still hoping that for a Kingdom Hearts 3, <laughs> but, uh, you know, like, you... There's references to, like, Cinderella, which I think she, her story, or she is involved in one of the, I think, the PSP versions. Eventually, her story gets involved, but, you know, most of the Disney princesses from the, the 60s and, and all that are sort of just featured as prominent figures, mm -hmm. but you don't really explore, I think, yeah, I think Alice in Wonderland and maybe Maleficent are like the oldest Disney characters featured next to like Mickey, of course, exactly, and Goofy yeah. and Donald. But the, 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 um, the iconic stand-in ones. But it, yeah, it, I'm I'm trying to think. Like I think yeah, Alice in Wonderland is is the oldest world that you go to, and Maleficent is probably the second oldest character to be featured. Because I'm pretty sure Sleeping Beauty was now post. Lion King was two, right? Yeah, Lion sure. King was introduced. In I'm, just trying, to, I'm just trying to go through them all now because I, I mean, like I said, a lot of it was Renaissance era Disney on, you know, yeah, like which, Little Mermaid. Again, smart move because right. you're focusing on the the audience that's playing this game is the audience that really grew up in that Renaissance area of Disney and knows so. those movies and environments more than anything mm -hmm. else. So it's it's really smart yep. to lean into that. So uh, yeah. it it speaks to just how 
I wouldn't say well localized it was, but like it felt like they had a global mindset in mind when making the game, not just appealing to like a sort of Japanese fan base. I'm sure the Japanese fan base would have loved to just lean into more of those, you know, Final Fantasy and hell if it's Square Enix throwing like Dragon Quest characters, they'll eat that shit up, I guess, you know, like right, yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It, like I'm trying to think like if if Kingdom Hearts was launching now, if and they were using Disney properties, oh god, it would be more. It would, be it, limitless. it would have to be way more. Pixar stuff that I would I, think as far as trying to make a relatable product, right? When it comes to relatable Maybe products, like Wreck-It Ralph. What if they, but the thing is about a modern Kingdom Hearts is that you have to uh, oh, consider yeah. everything I'm, Disney owns, so... Uh, yeah, like, I that totally... Marvel like, yes, and Star Marvel Wars, exists. you know? Fox exists in that exactly. world. Like, Simpsons. Like, Bart Simpson could be on your team in Kingdom Hearts. I don't Hearts. know if I can live with that. That's, that's a bit... I, I, I my head would explode. Now, I could not handle. I that. think baby steps. What they should do is just like here's a keyblade that looks like a lightsaber, and here's Goofy can have Captain America's shield. Let's just kind of ease it into that because that's that's a lot you could do. That is yeah, that is a hell like, of a lot. I don't think that will happen. In, not with three. And I guess no, 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 no. Um, and I th- and if they do, I do hope it is more just like tangential things or. Just like yeah, like a shield or a lightsaber right. that's that's just a reference and not going into Star Wars or going into the Incredible Hulk's world or Thor's world, which would be really cool, I imagine. I imagine but, that they would probably reboot the whole series to make it more yeah, focused it would, on the crossover stuff, and you would probably yeah. actually go to Final Fantasy worlds at that point too, or something. Yeah, like so, that, that's the direction I'd like them to go. But I mean that. It was clear from day one with, you know, all that shit on the beach that they had a lot of plans for what, whatever this crazy narrative was going to be. Yeah, so. yeah. So, like, I like Tetsuri Nomura, the director, is... I like his style in terms of his character designs, uh, his, his general direction, at least at the start. Um, he, he has a very unique look in how he presents his characters, you know, that... He's the guy behind a lot of the Final Fantasy VII stuff with the edgy and the spiky hair and 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 his designs and, and, and tons of zippers and belts and all that stuff. So aesthetically, I like what I'm seeing when I look at Kingdom Hearts generally because it's it's such a unique design versus especially other Final Fantasy stuff that that came after Seven um, and and comparatively to other JRPGs that were coming out at the time, like it was a cartoonish look, um, sort of very round features on most of the characters especially like in the lower half like their thighs are ridiculous their shoes are ridiculously large like there's aesthetically something about kingdom hearts that is just always appealing to me and i think that they sort of cribbed from disney disney does have just remarkable uh, designs in most of their characters like immediately memorable looks to their creations that are like okay i recognize immediately this is a disney character or this is something from Alice in Wonderland or this is something from Lion King. They just have a unique style that's immediately recognizable. And I think that carries over into Kingdom Hearts because of Nomura. I think he just has a mind that is just capable of honing in on whatever you can appreciate about it and think, all right, this is I'm in for this, but I know that it's not for everyone. Like I know his designs simply are just not for everyone and that's okay. But Yeah, I mean um, and, and it- it speaks to just how they are very visually striking designs, and it it, it kind of eases you into like what kind of crazy world's going on with with characters like that, like Cloud, like Sephiroth, like you know Sora, Riku, Kyrie, all that stuff. Like 
say what you will, they are very memorable characters, if nothing else, for than for their uh, visuals and designs alone. You know, even if there's a lot of zippers and baggy pants. Right. It, it happens. You know, it is it is kind of jarring to see you know Sora, especially in Kingdom Hearts One, and the Cloud render in Kingdom Hearts One, and them interacting with each other, and it's like, wow, this this seems like a really bad drug trip and I don't know how to process any of it, but it worked somehow. It, it just worked for whatever it was. And as, as the story went along in later games, it really is. You have to essentially go to a Wakia or, or something to figure out what the fuck kingdom hearts is <laughs> because they like after kingdom hearts one, especially near the end of kingdom hearts one, they do not hold your hand. They do not expect you to really understand what's happening, and they don't really uh, uh, supply any amount of closure, and, and they really expect you to essentially read the encyclopedia or the journals and everything that they provide in-game mm-hmm. to really figure out anything. And in, in terms of storytelling, I've always kind of disliked that idea. I think, I'm not saying be so in my face with, here's what's happening, you have to go fight bad guy because bad guy beat your mom up and you got to get revenge. Don't be so in my face about it, right. but also lead me a little bit. Like, give me something here as opposed to me having to go inside of the game, taking me out of the game to read plot devices. That, that to me, is not great storytelling. No, but no. It's, it's like if you were watching a movie and the movie's like, Oh, here's the bad guy, and you know, but doesn't explain why he's bad or anything. But then, he's like, just says, bad. here, yeah, like, pause for 20 minutes. Here is like, go and, and then just Google nuclear reactor, and then you'll understand why this guy's bad. Well, th- you can tell me that in really creative and smart ways without having to pause the action to, to tell me that. But that's, I don't know, that's that's a personal hang up. I don't, if I'm alone whatever but well, how how far yeah. in that direction do you think that the first game really got um well i think the first game was was better about it i think like it you, they, they do throw you into the world and they're just kind of like hold on and but we'll explain some of this we'll explain this as best as we can mm-hmm. and i don't know if maybe halfway through development they were like all right we we know this is going to be a hit we've got a setup for the sequel and the inevitable spin-offs and all that that will be coming mm-hmm. but if you simply jump from Kingdom Hearts 1 to Kingdom Hearts 2, they really don't explain anything. No. Because if you didn't play the very exclusive Game Boy Advance card battling game, <laughs> you literally missed out on so much exposition and so much character development and growth that all these characters are thrown at you, half the plot is missing, but you're supposed to continue into this game world. And it's just like, okay, well, I'm just now playing this game to play the game and any story bits that hit me, I'll try and understand them, but I doubt I will. Right. And that, I think, I think they really got off track almost immediately after Kingdom Hearts 1. Yeah. Because they just, I don't know what happened. I don't know if they were like, we're going to build a lore and eventually it'll all come together, but it'll take 15 years to hopefully figure <laughs> it out or what. Like, I don't know what's inside Nomura's mind. I don't know what he's trying to tell, but it, the fact that I essentially have to read a 3,000-page Wikia just to understand a story of a 15-year-old game that only has two games in the main series is is bizarre it, It's bizarre. I don't, and I don't think that's fair. I, yeah, I wouldn't call it fair even to the, to any degree, especially to just a casual observer, casual player who would want to just maybe dabble with the core games. You know, this is the core Kingdom Hearts. Like, 
I don't know. Like one, it seemed a bit more contained. I think because yeah. it was just the first of its kind, you know. So and it, and it had a lot of stuff where it's like we'll foreshadow this stuff towards the end. But I, I don't know. It it always felt pretty all right in Kingdom Hearts one. I can at least sort of tell what's going on, you know, and yeah. you know, like some evil forces gathering all these disparate princesses from all the realms. Like that kind of stuff is pretty pretty clear to get. You know, you're not gonna miss out on too much. Um, right, but I, I think as it got to the end is 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 where it just sort of like all right, dream. This is where yeah. we set up, and it's just like okay, dream drop, uh, dream drop distance. I think is the true jump the shark uh, of it all, though, of like the guy being just like thirteen versions of himself from different timelines and periods, and yeah. it's just like man, man, you lost, you got lost in the sauce. Right. Like I can't. And they had such a cool idea with that game, like the fact that it was a, a great side story with great characters was was terrific i i do enjoy that game Mm -hmm. but again the story by the end just becomes like almost complete nonsense that you don't get the story without having to read additionally into it right and that that's to me a problem and i don't i don't like that kind of storytelling no 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 i think it's very played out but um yeah it's yeah it'll be interesting to see no matter what even if Kingdom Hearts 3 is terrible, it'll be interesting to see how it came together. I feel like we're in for another yeah. kind of Final Fantasy 15 scenario where it's like, objectively, it's a pretty great game. But, I mean, like, nobody really holds on to it all that much compared yeah. to a lot of the other games. Um, right. Like, like I loved 15. I waited, same as Kingdom Hearts. I waited 10 years for that game to come out ever since it was called Final <laughs> Fantasy Versus 13. Every trailer, every image of that game, I soaked up and I was like, oh my god, I'm waiting for this. I'm so excited. And I played it and I was like, all right. Like, this is not a bad game. Mm -hmm. There's a lot here to like. There's a lot that I enjoy about it. But I don't want to return to this world. I don't want to do anything post-game. Right. I don't think that this is a very excellent game, especially not one deserving of a Final Fantasy Of a Final Fantasy name, which, you know, dubious as it may be of its quality over the last few years... Still is held in pretty high regard, right? So, like, I mean, that's especially around the time of Kingdom Hearts. Exactly, you said Final Fantasy. That was like, holy shit! What? Because we're we're hot off the trail of Final Fantasy seven through ten, which is you know like in the span of five years, making crazy game after crazy game. Yeah, and like now it takes. 10 years to make one Final Fantasy game exactly. which that's a bit of an exaggeration but it's still like the development time has grown so much where it used to be a year or two years then you got a new Final Fantasy you're good to go right but now it's th- that legacy has diminished considerably regardless of who you ask um, but I'm, a, I'm glad it's still around I look forward to seeing what a Final Fantasy can bring to the JRPG idea and the genre mm-hmm. But I, I've gotten better about quelling my hopes and, and quelling my hype for a Final Fantasy game because the last few just have not done it for me. Yeah. And I don't want to drop $60 on something that can be disappointing. Which is so. odd in the way that 14, by nature of what it was, started out so terrible and really kind of rebounded. And it's its own. Yeah. Like it's, it's not even in our discussions about, about oh, core Final Fantasy games. It, they feel like their own thing, but not because of quality, just because of what it is, you know? Yeah. And honestly, that's probably the, good for I it. would say, arguably, the best Final Fantasy to come out in, since maybe 10. Since, yeah. I know some people, some people stand by 12, and that's totally fine. But if in, in terms of 
uh, selling power, uh, longevity. Like people still play 14, and they and and Square Enix trusted it enough to uh, sc essentially scrap it, but not tear it down and destroy it. They retooled it. They made it a brand new game, but kept it inside that universe. And that's like they knew they had something special, and they were like, "We're gonna make this work no matter what." And they did, and it's still a considerably strong game, strong playing power. Like players still come back to it. Right. And, I don't think you'll get that with 15. I don't think you'll get that with 16 whenever that comes out. Right, no matter what that, end, that ends up being. There's just, like, these expectations now of modern mm. Final Fantasy, so... Yeah. But back to uh, the first first <laughs> Kingdom Hearts. I mean, it Kingdom Hearts naturally arises these conversations because it's the start of what modern Square really is, like I said at the top of the yeah. show. So, like, like I, I think there was a little bit of that kind of hubris in the original Kingdom Hearts, but, I mean... At the time, let's talk about gameplay, just because it, it's Square was always known for turn-based combat, mm -hmm. and this is the first attempt at like well, not first attempt. I actually don't know a lot of Square's PS One um, output, other than that was very substantial with Final Fantasy. But action RPGs weren't really like a synonymous, like a ubiquitous thing, right? No, um, you know, I think they. I want to say like games like Threads of Fate and stuff like that were. And uh, whether what's the remake that just came out, Secret of Mana, back on the right. SNES, that was you know a, a, an act of, or a, a real time fighting system, you know. So Square Enix had dabbled in it mm -hmm. a little bit, but uh, yeah, you you uh, you hear the name SquareSoft and RPG, and you think turn based system, you know. Uh, so when you play Kingdom Hearts and it's all real time, you're running around, you're not having to wait necessarily to attack. It's different and. Again, I think kudos to them for being different, but staying in sort of their similar wheelhouse. But if if this game had turned into a turn-based system, I don't think it would have done as well. I think having right. the real-time battle and being able to dodge attacks and, and, and deal out insane amount of damage once you power up, like that was more beneficial to the world than than going any any other style of gameplay, I think. I totally agree. I totally agree in that, uh, like ha it being one of the first of its kind, being very kind of innovative in its in its own right. Back in those days, like it, it spoke to Square being more of a trailblazer back then and more willing to again sort of take those kind of risks. Like, oh, we're the we're the JRPG guys, so this is just naturally what we're going to end up being and doing. And it's like not necessarily you know there's a lot more that square really had to tell back in those days and like not to just wax nostalgic about a better time because you know there are plenty of complaints you get levy at square of that time too it's just that like kingdom hearts one i don't know is so emblematic of a different time and like the halcyon days of like ps2 in general you know xbox gamecube never really had any of this stuff and it was it was games like kingdom hearts that really drove those kind of points home you know yeah like they yeah like crazy like I'm, I'm i i'm almost curious like i would love to go back in time to before kingdom hearts released and then after kingdom hearts released and see what previews were like as far as how many people were hyped for this mm -hmm. or thinking oh god square are done there's no way it's not this an is RPG. what they're following up final fantasy with and like and then actually playing the game like oh my god square safe like i would love to see sort of the turnaround journal the journalism of that time and 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 how they were you know ready for it and then what happened after i'm the sure they were the butt of everybody's jokes after merging with enix and like fun of spirits with oh, yeah. a nightmare so yeah i mean 
to some regard, I, I bet hype for this game at, at a sort of professional level was not super through the roof. So yeah, just I mean, like if you explain if you try to explain this game even in modern standings to someone either in the know or out of the know, okay, so. It's this game where they're merging these two worlds of Final Fantasy and Disney characters. Someone's going to be like, no, 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 stop. What? Slow down there. And then yeah. you have to explain all of that. And you're like, no, <laughs> it's cool. And so what happened is, is there's this giant being in the end and he's corrupting all the Disney villains and then they're being bad and you have to fight all the Disney villains. And, and like, I just, I, trying to explain this game is so hard, really. It, other than, like, if, if they're not sold with you play in Disney worlds in an RPG. If they're not sold by that, you've got a, such an uphill battle to try and sell someone on this premise. But now but it's, they it's, did it. it's like good. They like, yeah, they they did it and it worked. Stuck to their guns and really found a way that uh, to really captivate a lot of people clearly with the kind of longevity the series had. And yeah. like if Kingdom Hearts 1 didn't come out swinging like that, I think we wouldn't have it and you know, like Square Enix as a whole could be very different. Like, you know, yeah. they... I wouldn't say they coasted a lot on Kingdom Hearts, but Kingdom Hearts was a lot of their bread and butter throughout like the mid two thousands yes. period. With one no, and two, agree. and I think kind of topping off with Birth by Sleep a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. It's just it's yeah, just the, the the longevity that the series has is it's just impressive to look at. And because Kingdom Hearts one like started that path, I think it deserves a lot of credit for for just being kind of trailblazing at the time. You know. Uh, yeah, without a doubt. And I, I want to just go, kind of dive back into the game itself, just because uh, there was really nothing like it at the time. You know, like action RPGs weren't nearly as synonymous then as they are now. But like, what were your thoughts of like just exploring these worlds with like? Did you like Sora? Do you like his kind of thing with Riku and like with Kyrie? Or like, did you like Sora interacting with Donald and Goofy a lot? Or like, what was your kind of takeaway from the new characters? Um, I mean, yeah, like I, so the idea that I got from like Sora and Riku was sort of like a big brother, little brother relationship. Mm -hmm. uh, I know they're, they're about the same age, I believe, but, uh, as someone who was the younger brother of an older brother, it was like, the, it was the baby of the family. So, you know, I obviously connected with Sora and him and Riku always being essentially the better and, and being the stronger, being the best at everything, being the one that's looking out for him and Kyrie. Sora was like, man, he was the underdog, and and as the story goes on, you understand more to those characters. But yeah, like it was just like, okay, like Sora's not a grating character. He's not annoying. He's not a crybaby. He's not what a lot of JRPG tropes were at that time right. of being like a really obnoxious character. He was he was strong, but he knew his limits. He knew his weaknesses, and but he still was like, I you know, one day I'm gonna win. One day I will beat Riku, and and you know it it's it's great character development and and as you go along this 40 50 hour journey with all these characters and you meet guys like goofy and donald even and and as bizarre as that is and and how it all sort of comes together and, and meeting all these other characters it i never felt like turned off from going like i was always excited mm -hmm. no matter what i was always ready to continue the journey i wasn't going to see the next world and and see how they interacted and, and 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 all this and just to explore all of it because it just hooked me in because i wasn't playing an obnoxious character who i didn't care for and was essentially <laughs> me in that role so 
I think Sora's a great character. You know, I'm not going to say he's flawless. I know he's got flaws, but he's a great character to connect to and to follow for 15 years. For sure. I think he's great. For yeah. sure, for sure. And, like, as, as, as easy as it is, I think, to make fun of somebody like Riku, it, I'd say one of the best things the later games did was sort of elaborate on him a bit instead of just being uh, either a betrayer or a sort of uh, oh like anti-hero type you know he's he's a bit multi-layered more so than i think a lot of other kingdom hearts characters get yeah no i think like riku does take on the role of the i wouldn't say father figure but as the leader of the group like he's the one that has to protect them Mm -hmm. so he takes that upon himself even though no one's directly asking him to right but he just feels because he's the biggest and potentially the oldest he has to just be the one to protect all of them and i i get that i i understand where that's coming from but yeah as the series goes on we understand why he feels that way and why he undergoes his changes and all that mm-hmm. stuff and by the end of kingdom hearts 2 he has almost like a rebirth of his character and he he sort of tones that down a little bit and he's like i'm not alone in this i do need i do understand that friendship is important and asking for help is not a weakness it it can be a strength right and, it's you rarely see that in a lot of stories like this it's usually they are still stubborn and and i think uh i know this is going to sound really lame but it's sort of akin to like vegeta of like dragon ball like oh you're speaking prideful. my language good good good, good. <laughs> we're there all right but you know he's a very prideful person he doesn't like asking for help he feels he can do it all on his own but ultimately his character arc is i understand i'm not the strongest anymore mm-hmm. i understand there's someone that uh, can help me and that I can help no matter what I can do. Right. I, I think, it, you know, starting off as an anti-hero and becoming essentially a good guy is Riku's path. And I think it works. I think it works for that character. And I'm curious how, because I feel like his arc is kind of complete by the end of Kingdom Hearts 2. Mm-hmm. So if he's coming back into 3, what his role will be, if it'll be like just a tertiary character in the background or if he'll come back into play in the overall arc. Or maybe he everything. like patches, passes the torch in a way to like maybe somebody else because like they are hyping up these these court characters and uh, getting the, what is it, 7 versus 13 or whatever, that, that kind of war conflict, yeah. whatever it ends up being. Um, it'll be interesting to see where that, that kind of unravels, but yeah, I agree. I totally, I can definitely see the Vegeta-ism, the Vegeta analogy of, like, this this foil for Sora. Like, he's a, he's a great complimentary character for Sora and a great, like, thing for him to chase. This yep. guy who, uh, yeah, like, Sora just thinks is, like, his best friend and, like, just emblematic of a better time, a better day. So... Yeah. And they are friends. Like, they're not enemies. They're right. just rivals. But it's a friendly rivalry because that's, they're friends. That's what they do. Like, you've always got to have that edge you've always got to have someone pushing you to be better and that's what riku is to sora and ultimately what sora becomes for riku Mm -hmm. by the end of two and from what i understand i think kingdom hearts 3 is supposed to wrap up what they call the deeper dark saga of kingdom hearts meaning this is just the beginning of a franchise (laughs) essentially it's gonna be a century long epic or something it's yeah so you know if this does end sora and riku's journey this could be them passing the torches, as you say, on to other characters or to something else. Mm-hmm. So but it'll be interesting to see what they do going forward. But, you know, we don't know when 3 is actually coming out, what it'll, what it'll end up being showcase and, and tell. So, but uh, yeah, 
Uh, I think I think uh, the characters. Uh, I'm trying to think if there was an annoying character in Kingdom Hearts, and nothing's really coming to mind in terms of story characters being annoying. But like, I know Sephiroth as a alternative boss in the game is super annoying oh, right, and right. almost impossible to beat. But he's kind of meant uh, to just, be. Like it was. Yeah, I, I'm sure. He's, like having another game where you get to fight Sephiroth as a boss of any kind was a huge like story on the playground kind of thing in a, in a kind of, in a oh, kind of yeah. way. Yeah, um, but yeah, I don't I don't recall too much of uh, Kingdom Hearts being annoying except for the Atlantis level yeah. Mermaid stuff. Yeah, and, they tried to stretch uh, your legs yeah. on like a new kind of level, like oh, we'll just try something else. Like, I, I I'll never forget um, when I looked into like dev diaries and stuff for Donkey Kong Country uh, when they made aquatic ambiance and made that level. It was meant to be a bit of a break in the action and a bit of a time to relax or maybe have some fun. Um, because, you know, it's a pretty gritty, hard kind of uh, platformer on either side of it. Um, so I thought that, like, maybe Kingdom Hearts is trying to do that similar thing of, like, we'll, we'll shake things up and it won't be the traditional just fight these, like, spirit, dark spirit creatures over and over again. But it, no, it, didn't, it didn't pan out nearly as well, I don't think. That, no, neither, I... neither in that nor in 2, where they tried it again. No, which, which makes God, it a, which why? makes it even worse. I'd say, like, oh, you gave it another shot and you made it worse. You somehow in many made ways. it worse. It's just like, <laughs> man. Yeah, like I don't even want to say like kudos for trying. Like you should have. No, just, no. Just, like just been most of the time, I would, but it's just like honestly, you shouldn't have tried. That's the that's the no. most damning thing. But yeah, but, I will um, say. Yeah, no, I, I think. Oh, go ahead. Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go right ahead. <laughs> uh, <laughs> It, when it comes to Kingdom Hearts 1, I feel like it dug a lot deeper on the Disney side than the Final Fantasy side. Like we said earlier, it was more cameos from Final Fantasy characters. Like, hey, Squall's going to be, I assume, brooding in some other corner. And, T and <laughs> Tifa's just going to be in a room somewhere. But it's just like, no, Chip and Dale are making your ship, man. Like, uh, are, are running the shopkeeps with Sid, you know? And it's just... Yeah, it, and, you know, there's Huey doing Louie or selling your supplies. Exactly. Nobody's That's watched like, DuckTales in 15 years at that point. Like, no, they're pretty obscure yeah. characters. Yeah, but they got their time repeatedly. But yeah, like, it really was, Final Fantasy was just almost like helping sell the product. Right. But knew, like, all right, let's not pull focus. We're just here to help sell the game, but we're not we're not the focus here. Look, You look at these guys. <laughs> exactly, they're, exactly. They're the real eye candy. Although, here, I, so. I will say that uh, in terms of... Being on the PS2 generation, I think voice acting was a much bigger force um, at that time. And getting the Disney voice actors like your James Woods's was a very big pull for a lot of people. Like, it didn't... A lot of times... He the, must have been hard up for work at that time, oh, right? Like, here's I, the thing. He'll do anything for money. He'll... <laughs> I'm sorry, James Woods. I'm not sorry, actually. He'll literally no, do any... Like, you know, they'll throw person. money at him for Hades again. He'll Like, he was Hades on the TV show... Like that's true. That's true. You know, you know how many times he's been on Family Guy. It's just like you know. Well, actually, I don't because he's probably been on like seventeen times in the seasons I haven't watched. But yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> but you know, uh, getting those kind of actors back and getting most of the time the real deal, um, on top of getting voices for these Final Fantasy characters, which up to that point you know hadn't really been voiced, um, was probably right. a big yeah, sell for and people. That's a, yeah, because you you know. You have Cloud, one of the, probably the biggest characters of the 90s, uh, is finally in a, a better polygonal state. 
you know, way more recognizable, and you have to provide a voice for him. This is essentially the first time anyone's going to hear him speak. Mm-hmm. Who do you choose to fill that role? Right. How do you go about saying this is the right voice for class? Exactly. Like that's and and same for Sephiroth. Like Sephiroth is voiced by Lance Bass of In Sync. Right. What? Right. How does that How did, happen? I wanna, and he does I, a great job. I want to hear those deals, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> like, was it like he just had a contract with Disney and this was the final thing he had to do, or was he pushing hard like? I love Final Fantasy VII. Seth is also one of my favorite characters. I'd be happy to voice him. Like, how how is all of this like? What are the agents working with Disney saying? Yeah, we're gonna get Lance Bass Lance in a video Bass. game. Oh yeah, what's he gonna play? Uh yeah, there's a Japanese game from the '90s called Final Fantasy, and he's gonna play the villain in that. And one of the most iconic villains in video games. One of the, yeah, one of the strongest, most. De- evil characters of all time lance bass you got you this. got it and he buddy. does a great and job he does it a fantastic be, job it would be like bittersweet if he did a bad job but he actually does do a very compelling job especially considering this is 2002 voice acting yeah like i think this is the turning point for most voice acted games is you can show you can give a shit when you when you record lines for a game if you give the right production and the right money behind it you can have a strong cast that is not obnoxious and annoying and sounds laughably bad like square enix realized holy shit we tried our best in final fantasy 10 which was their first effort so hey you tried you tried and, but, and, and unlike previously i'll give them credit for trying in that regard yeah, because two years later they were like we are not having a bad laughing scene <laughs> we are not having really and 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 i think the joke of like most final fantasies is that like pause of a, a character says a line there's a pause it's like five seconds of dead air they, right which we know why they do that blah 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 blah. japanese you don't Techni- interrupt, blah, technical blah, 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 reasons blah. too of just like loading yeah. the audio off the disc you know that kind of thing right and so but this like they cut all of that out and it actually sounds like people having a conversation versus part. just reading off of a script or just reading lines like it sounds genuine it sounds like these people are putting work behind what they're doing and you know, a lot of these people weren't exactly like big household names, but like Haley Joe Osment, essentially, like this is what's been sustaining him for 15 years. Yeah, because... and they age up the character in a way that still allows him to really, you know, interact and do stuff with that world. It's it's really interesting in that regard. Yeah, and I think this is like one of Hayden Panettiere's like first real big jobs, but like she's sort of gone on to do bigger things since then. But you know, this was like sort of her breakout in terms of becoming a little bit not, of a household name. Not to name, disparage so. the name of Hayden Panettiere, but do you think in the time no, no. since Kingdom Hearts 2, her career has gone up and then back down to the point where she would actually voice Kyrie again? Well, she did Heroes, right? She's She was on Heroes for several years, so, I mean, yeah. she's got some clout, I think, but, yeah, I mean, I don't... I haven't kept up with her. So <laughs> exactly. I, don't know I feel like she would probably how, do it. Maybe she's struggling. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure that they have the money that to, too, that anyway, too. to say do it. Like you know, oh, you've but, been this character for most of our games. Let's you know, let's, yeah. let's really iron it. But in But also, there. like, if her story is essentially over from two, do they even need well, her? Well, no. I mean, I don't know because I, I think Kyrie is going to be one of the like. I thought she was going under some kind of training or something to be. Oh, you're right. Like, I think yeah, she's supposed to be one of the like knights of good or whatever the fuck. I, my girlfriend's yeah. gonna kill me for saying that, but uh, one of <laughs> knights of good. There it is. The... Is that the new uh, SJW title? That we <laughs> <laughs> knights of good. That, that is like a Chinese knockoff SJW. That's really that's really <laughs> funny. 
boy. But yeah, like like yeah, I think Kingdom Hearts did a lot of things right from the start, and and has has really helped set help helped set set a standard for what people expected from a JRPG going forward. Right, right, and challenging the notions of like, oh, it's not turn-based, so it's not an RPG. Like, well, no, there's still lots of level grinding and item management and, like, dealing with menus and shit. It's definitely an RPG. Yeah, and they're still upgrading weapons and, and ensuring, like, it's the best for your HP and, and attack and all that stuff. Like, there's still some stat balancing. Exactly, most exactly. of it's Most of that's still taken care of for you automatically, but if you want to look into it and want to build your character... You still it's definitely there can. for those people. And, and, you know, like, going to all these different worlds, like, it's it still feels very much like an RPG. And and speaking yeah. of those worlds, was there one... Was there a favorite world you had from uh, Kingdom Hearts 1? Uh, I feel like Hollow Bastion is my immediately standout, just because it was a new world. Mm-hmm. It wasn't Alice in Wonderland. It wasn't uh, a Disney world we'd experienced. Right. Really. So... It was new, and the soundtrack for that world... I mean, just the song itself. Like, that's probably the song we're going out on just because of how... That is... That is a song that is just permanently ingrained into my, you know, subconscious at this point. Like, you know, I'll always... I I could be suffering from Alzheimer's in my 80s, and I'll (laughs) I'll hear that song, and, you know, like, things will come back to me, and tears will well up in my eyes, you know? Like, it's... I. That's your that's your trigger for <laughs> memories. It's, it's, I'm back. <laughs> I'm eight years old again. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, I think Hollow Bastion takes it just because of like just the design of the world too. Everything was broken down and and crumbling. So it was, you like you know this is the final world. This is where it all ends. It, it, so. Exactly, exactly. It was crumbling, but still in a way that felt aesthetically charming. I'd say, and like all those, I even love the little like splash logos when you're going in the gummy ship to see these yeah. worlds. It's just like, man, this is like great album art or something. Like this is great. Like yep. this makes me this introduces me a little bit to the world before we even get there. And Hollow Bastion had that going for it too, and it was really cool. Yeah, yeah. But I think honestly, my least favorite world, um, which is going to sort of counter what I just said about Hollow Bastion, is Traverse Town. Mm. Or, no, that's not it. Yeah, Traverse Town. That's the first world essentially you go to right past destiny island yeah yeah so and the only reason i don't like that world is because to progress the story there's a certain way you have to enter parts of the world and exit parts of the world Mm -hmm. to continue the story and they do not make it clear like you have to go into the courtyard go through like to your left come back out the hotel and then go back outside the courtyard but there's like once you go into the courtyard there's like four or five different exits you can take and it's like how would i know to do any of this to progress the story right. otherwise i'm just like wandering you're just around walking around and it's easy like i will say kingdom hearts one it's very easy to get lost uh especially yes. if you yes, don't yes, know yes. exactly you know which alleyway to go down and which guys to fight and so it triggers a cutscene that leads you this way like it, it's very disparate in a way where yeah yeah and, and Trevor's Town phenomenal song too i will say oh yeah um, yeah and it, but the thing like there was no map for no, no no and i don't think there was one for i think there was like a mini map for the second one or maybe no, no, the second one got a map you could pull up, but there was nothing for Kingdom Hearts 1. So you're literally just wandering around these worlds hoping you trigger something or hoping you progress the story because they don't really hold your hand a you lot. You just kind of walk and everywhere and do everything because you have nothing else to do, really. Exactly. Yeah, and it, like that, that was... And, and to do that so early in the game was 
problematic and i hope it didn't turn off a lot of newcomers like i hope no, that they i still mean i don't know like i i don't want to use my experience as like well this is how it should have gone for you you idiot but like <laughs> I, I don't know i was when it when something happened in a game i didn't like i usually put it down and, and went back to it later or just you know never really bothered to but kingdom hearts was just oddly compelling to me as a kid maybe it was just because the novelty of the worlds that i was exhibit like going through but i mean like it, it just felt very compelling to just try and get to the next part trying to get to the next spot like see oh right. this is the this is the like <laughs> jack skellington world nightmare before christmas world yeah. you know and that's like a pretty like i know i know too. we go to the, I, i've seen the back of the art i know we go to hercules's world <laughs> we go to pinocchio world how I, i'm getting there god damn it no matter what i'm gonna see these worlds and you're not gonna beat it, me it game. always weirded me out how the whale had to open up every time you fly in yeah, especially when like you like just transport exactly. there and like yeah. Which but. I uh, speaks doesn't I don't want it to speak to the quality of the, the level, but I remember literally nothing about that level. Yeah, it's almost instantly forgettable because it's kind of like labyrinthian. Right. It's sort of the same as like Traverse Town, where there's like all these different entryways you can go in, and it's it's really not a great design for that level, and it really is like almost like a side story you can kind of skip. It's it's. I think it, it is mandatory to go to it at least once. Maybe that's you why. Don't really, maybe maybe that's why is yeah. because I just I went to it and then left and never came back. Yeah, because I don't think it's I don't think it's that much. For, for to some the reason, story. I originally thought it was like a because I had played Ocarina at this point. I thought it was like a Jabu Jabu thing where it was like a core. <laughs> like, oh, I gotta save Pinocchio. He's gonna I have to hold Pinocchio up on my head and fucking throw him around. Which that would actually be pretty funny. Um, yeah, they should have done that. We should go back in time and make sure they do make that. sure they ape Nintendo. Which yes, I'm sure, yes, yeah, please. I'm sure Nintendo would be more than happy to let that happen because they are on great <laughs> terms with Square Enix in the 2000s. Oh yeah, they're they're they best are buddies. They're two peas in a know? pod. That company. <laughs> God, I'd love a Super Mario RPG sequel. I've I've been waiting Ooh, for that. For yeah, years. yeah, yeah. I mean, I I know we have the Mario RPG series and then Paper Mario, but you're there is nothing quite like the original Super Mario RPG. So. No, but that's that's an shit. I could that's I could that's that a episode. podcast shit. for another day. Don't don't spoil the content. Forget what we just said, guys. That's our episode. I call dibs right now. Dibs dibs. <laughs> you, you're um, reserving that seat. Wait in advance. Oh, yes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. Like, there's. Um, can we talk about the music? Of course, dude. That, or course. did you like? You're. It's your show. You lead the way. But can you steer it toward the music? I am now? more than happy to talk about Game Arts music as long as you want. Oh God! So uh, Yoko Shimomura is the composer for Kingdom Hearts and has been the composer for, I want to say, ninety nine percent confidently, all of the games in the series. But the, the the two main games, I know she's definitely in charge of. And I have to say that this, in my opinion, <laughs> is her magnum opus. Like this is the best work that I think she has done, because Disney music is already same as its characters recognizable you know what it is it has this bombastic quality to it a lot of horns a lot of brass involved in it especially in their older series uh and then you take the orchestral arrangements that yoko shimomura can do very well you combine them and you just have this unbelievable sound that is accompanying kingdom hearts and its soundtrack and it's like it's something i still go back to right. like, i 
when I would do like old podcasts and, and you have a backing track, like Kingdom Hearts was primarily my go-to soundtrack to always put in because it was simple. It was it was just orchestral. There's no vocals, nothing with it. It was just and and the songs were long enough that you weren't playing a 30 second eight bit track that you would have to have 50 million of them just to fill up a podcast backing episode. It was three and a half minute songs mm -hmm. and it's it's still something I just go back to. I really like listening to their music. Uh, just on Spotify, just add it to my Spotify. Walking around, this is what I'm listening to. I'm listening to "Dearly Beloved" from the the credits yeah, theme. Yeah, that's to really Hollow Bastion. good. Like, it, it's always been a little like nerd dream of mine to like have that in some kind of either proposal or wedding scenario or something like. It's, oh, it's, it's perfect, and it's it's not you know super in your face game musicy about it either. It's just it's just a fucking wonderfully beautiful track. Yeah. No, it doesn't sound anything like you would like if, if I think if someone heard that just outside, they would think, "Oh wow, this is really beautiful. What's it from?" They would never think, "Oh, is it from a they would never think, "Is it from a video game?" No, they think, "Oh, what movie is this from or is this from a show?" Mm -hmm. Like if see a video game would be like the last thing that they would, exactly, they would exactly. possibly th unless they know you really well, then they would probably go, this Oh god, nerd. this nerd had to play a fucking Kingdom Hearts video song. Game nonsense. God. This is what he walks down the aisle to. God, god. what a weeb. I rescind <laughs> like, my like, best man invitation. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I, there's just she creates phenomenal music, and the the entire Kingdom Hearts catalog is just remarkable. I mean, it goes without and, saying that I'm putting Kingdom Hearts music behind this podcast, but I'll I'll try and I like so. for the these this specific part of the show to amp it up just a little bit because it is it is worth like listening to and, yes. and getting in your rotation. It's really really yeah. good. Yeah, it's it's. It's it's stuck with me. Like even as a kid, uh, fifteen years old, sixteen years old, when I'm playing this game, I'm just like, I want I want to just like put the screen in stationary and just leave my character alone. I want to listen to all of this because she was creating original music, but she was also sort of like remixing Disney songs that I've known for years, mm -hmm. and she did a fantastic job with it. And and. And I know you said you had an out, outgoing song, but um, the outro song that's in Kingdom Hearts is uh, an orchestral cover of Yutada Hikaru's Simple and Clean. Right. And it's it's going to sound really cheesy, but like it's still almost heartbreaking to hear that song because it's so well-crafted. It's it's so... There's uh, a reason those, 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 I, I don't know, those couple I, it's of almost, songs... I can't, I can't explain how... And it, there's a reason those couple of songs are the ones that crop up in every Kingdom Hearts in tr promotional material. Like those songs in particular, like you know your your uh, cover of "Simple and Clean" and "Dearly Beloved" and stuff like that. Like it, it speaks to the quality of those songs. That they just keep popping up here and yeah. again and again and again. It's and they are that it's not good. laziness. It's they recognize this is a breakout for song. Sure, this is sure. a song that people know and recognize and love. And this is why we're going to re-showcase it again because it's, it's, so it's good. that good um but any any kind of closing thoughts with the original kingdom hearts like do you think like you know if if somebody's interested enough from this show like do, do you think just picking up like this ps4 collection would be a good starting point because it is only like 40 bucks for like all of those games do you think that would be a good oh, jumping yeah. on point um oh without a doubt i think uh, if you're even slightly curious at the idea if you've got if you see it for 40 bucks that's a steal if you find it for 20 you should pay double for it it's <laughs> it's worth it uh but yeah um i think that there is like you do have to sort of separate yourself from the 15 years of when this game came out 
and what has come since then and the improvements, it is a, it's going to be a step back just in terms of gameplay, presentation, yada, yada, yada. But if you are playing it on the PS4, they did do a really good job of touching up and sort of remastering it, making it look very pretty for a modern age. But the gameplay, you can only touch up so right. much. Um, because you otherwise you just have to sort of rebuild the entire game to to make it appeal to a modern sense so gameplay wise it is a little backwards uh, and a little bit old-fashioned but presentation wise and, and story wise it's it's gonna be okay to to experience like you aren't to worry about uh, anything feeling ancient in that sense only in gameplay I think is is where it might stumble for someone just getting into it that has played similar games mm-hmm so, um, but yeah, I think it's it's highly recommendable. I, uh, if if just the idea intrigues you, go for it. There, you got nothing to lose, really. It's, right. It's definitely. I. It's definitely worth a look, especially at that price. And the best part is, if you're hooked, there's five more games waiting for you on yeah. that disc for you. So. And there is a reason that people have been waiting ten plus years for the third entry in a game. <laughs> there's a reason for that, and. It's not just because of curiosity, and it's not necessarily just because of the namesake itself of being Kingdom Hearts. It's because it, it, it. I, I would almost say like it turned a generation into gamers. I think right. Uh, I could totally people, see like, that. This is a. This may have been a first game or one of the first games for many people, and it changed a lot of what they expect from video games or what they thought video games can be, and. I would only imagine that it probably inspired a lot of people, not just in deviant art and and fan fiction and stuff like that, but just in in how they can create games and, and the worlds that they can create within them and what they can do inside of the game. I think I think Kingdom Hearts has created its legacy. I think its its legacy is due respect to an extent, and I I understand why people would be dismissive of it mm-hmm. and 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 you know step away from it and not want to play it anymore. I get that, but. I've, I, I, there's just something about this world and, and the entire story that it's telling that is just so intriguing and it pulls me in every time. For sure. Like, I try and step away, but I'm just like, it, I'm, yeah, I'm like back it, to this. You want to be like, oh, I'm over Kingdom Hearts. And then a new trailer drops where he's in like Big Hero 6 outfits and I'm just like, oh, I'm back. Oh, I'm back in. Back. You've got me. Right. Like, like the, the recent, I say recent relative, <laughs> um, not to date this, but the trailer that they, they just showed, I think, at uh, D23 or whatever it was, that's all I need. Like, I literally don't need to see anything else about this game exactly. because it's a perfect teaser. We're getting a Monsters, Inc. world. We're getting a Toy Story world. We already knew They're about. leaning into the Pixar stuff more, which they didn't ever really oh, do. no. Yeah, because I don't know if it was like they didn't have the rights to do a pixar stuff because of licensing or or whatever no but they had they had to get a chicken little world in man priorities Uh, well no that's disney that's not i know that's what i'm saying this is like king King, King, of kingdom hearts 2006 they had bigger fish to fry like you know chicken little of all the characters that you that is the most that is probably the most dated thing about that game like it in in a vacuum you know just like oh chicken little i know exactly when this fucking came out Yep. So. Why? Why? Of all characters, of the eighty years Disney has been around, I, why and I, I get Little? like, oh, it's a new, it's a contemporary new thing, and uh, maybe they thought Chicken Little was going to be a bigger deal, but I that must be it. That's the only, like, only way I can think about just, it. It was going to be a huge. Uh, but uh, and um, and and lastly, the most excited reason I am for Kingdom Hearts three is 
Yutaro Hikaru is, is coming back. She's doing the theme song, uh, which for the, the joke that I had with Kingdom Hearts for the longest time was, we'll see a new Kingdom Hearts when Yutaro Hikaru creates a new song for it, because that was they were always hand in hand. That was, she has a new CD or a new single coming out, it's going to be in Kingdom Hearts. That's that's just how it works. And so far, three for three. She's hey. she's kept my mm-hmm. my my streak alive. And, and I'm and it sounds wonderful. Both versions of the song sound wonderful. I can't wait to hear it in full. I'm so excited. It's almost like that's the reason I want to play this game is just to hear a new a new Yutari Hikaru that's song. That's totally justifiable, man. Like it, it, she's done quite a lot for the for not only game music but just in Kingdom Hearts in general. Like it's. Yeah. crazy to think that we're gonna get more that there's new stuff yeah 15 16 <laughs> years after so plus a new yoko shimamuro i can only imagine she's attached to do the soundtrack so more of her fantastic music and remixes. exactly and, uh, if, if there's one takeaway there's no way this soundtrack for kingdom hearts 3 is going to be bad there's no it's way unless possible. they don't have shimamura in charge exactly that's the only way exactly so, so. But that but yeah. that has been Kingdom Hearts, and uh, boy, that was that was a lot more encompassing of, of of Kingdom Hearts as a whole. But definitely, definitely worth talking about. This is a, a still a very relevant franchise, very relevant series for Square Enix. Obviously, you know they've been working they've been working on three for God knows how long. You know, even yeah. if you don't think they didn't work on it at all until like you know 2014, 2015, when when they started making trailers and stuff for it, that's still pretty long, especially yeah, compared I to mean, its heyday. If it's coming out this year, that's a four, four hour, four year, four, four, hour, four, year. Geez, four year development Compare, cycle. Compared if to really... the Square Enix of, of their day where it was just like, oh, we've got Final Fantasy seven through 10 in five years. That is yeah. insane. That is insane. Right. Even if you don't, I, yeah. I don't really care for eight that much, but it's just like, still, they put together that entire world and crafted that whole story and, I don't know, nine months? Like. Yeah, rough, because uh, Final Fantasy VII was 97, 8 was 98, 9 was 99, and 10 was 2001. So. It was. It and, was and, just over yeah, and over. I mean, obviously, technology development was a little bit easier back then. It was smaller scale, but still, it's, to turn yeah. around a game in nine still months crazy. is not something you really see now, unless you're Assassin's Creed. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> or right. something, something comparable. Something, to that. something like that, yeah. But. That has been Grind Forever, and you can find Grind Forever on the, on top of the entire PNB network on PNBcast.com. Um, give us a shout-out on iTunes, uh, rate, review, subscribe, all that jazz, podcast services around the globe. We've, it's, you know, we are more than willing to uh, explore other avenues if people are willing to listen there. So yeah. I will totally stick it to Zune if I have to, but that that's, <laughs> oh, that's just MP3 files, so I think we got that covered already, so... I think you're good. I think you're good. I don't think they've changed their format. Oh, you don't think? Yet, I haven't so. seen any. I hope kick not. Those, the dirt on off that Zune. <laughs> I'm sure there's someone out there that's like, whew, time to dust this thing. Yeah, it's landing. It's landing. It's landing, and that's yeah. it. So, shout out to Landon. Kudos, Kudos Landon. <laughs> um, but you can uh, support us here at PNB on Patreon.com/PNB. We've been growing at a slow but very dedicated and fun pace. You know, it's it's nice just to see organic growth growth over time and see people supporting us that I actually don't know. You know, like I've, oh, I've never right, heard of you yeah. and you're supporting me. That's really cool. It's, like it's one thing to see your mom, right? You know, oh, thanks, mom. But it's another thing to be like, oh, this stranger in California. Exactly. Never exactly. Seen exactly. Never talked to is willing to help me operate and thank you very much it was strangers like them that were able to help us uh, get 
grind forever off the ground, help get level select going, and help even further propagate Full Metal Optimist, which is also one of my favorite things I do every week with Travis. And Curtis, I know we're going to get you on one of these days for sure. Oh, I'm very much excited for... to talk about that. It'll be very much similar to this and me gushing and gushing exactly, and gushing. Exactly, exactly. I, I mean, I, I could have just gone on five more minutes about Studio Bones animation in... How, in the scar fight, but you know, we'll 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 get there. We'll get there. You, yeah, you you've gotta you've gotta think of your your co-hosts. <laughs> they may just not have that free time, so you know, pretty you much. Pretty much. Cut your losses. But wait, it's Travis. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he has a life, right? <laughs> I lo- I love Travis as much as I love everybody else in the PNB network. So don't 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 isolate this and send it to him and make like start some petty drama that implodes the podcast. We have to do that when we're actually like making money, like making yeah. job money. <laughs> then it can crumble yeah. into pieces. Yeah. You, you, if you're following the true Hollywood story of P and B, this isn't the part <laughs> where they break up. This is their build. They're building their empire. Is- you got to wait. Like, Someone's got to have the drug craze and the cocaine problem. Somebody's got to hoard all the money, and it's probably going to be me. Yep. Someone's got to be the alcoholic. <laughs> it's probably also going to be the drug problem. Like, you got to build that. You don't, you don't we'll throw get there. it all out we'll there get in the there. first year. We'll get there. And listeners, you can be on the journey with us. PNBcast.com. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Do it. Do it. I, I want to see all of this happen now, please. God, it's, it's, it's the destiny of any creative venture that makes money. So we'll, we'll get there at some point. So... Yes, but uh, for Curtis and myself and for the entire PMB network, thank you for listening. Have a great week. Bye, nerds. <laughs>